And we're sailing off into talking travel today. Mel Tome, cast your fate to the wind. Sally Lucas, are we heading off to Vietnam first of all? We are, Jane. And I have spoken about Vietnam before with you, as you probably recall, but I haven't really talked a lot about the history of Vietnam. So I thought this time, and I always like delving into a little bit of history about a place, and we can always wax lyrical about the scenery and and how beautiful it is and the food and so on, but it is interesting to have that background information about a country before you go there and know, you know, why they are, how they are. Um, Well, we know a little bit about the recent history, I suppose, or fairly recent history. Well, we do, of course, and that is, I guess, the bit we all think about, and that's what this article actually says, that many Westerners still imagine Vietnam through the lens of war. Um, But in reality, it's a country, as we know, that's filled with um, captivating natural beauty, and they're very tranquil, peaceful people and very friendly people. And you've got lots of different areas to discover there with highlands and rainforest regions and, of course, beaches and, you know, everything. It's got a bit of everything for everybody. And, of course, the a variety of people and the ethnic minorities that they have there as well. And it's a very long country. It's like an elongated S, you know, or they call it a buffalo's yoke sometimes um, as a description of the shape of it. And it stretches the length of the Indo-Chinese Peninsula and it covers a surface of about 128,000 square miles, which is making it roughly the size of um, Italy or New Mexico and the United States, to give you an idea. And, of course, you've got China to the north, Laos and Cambodia to the west, and the South China Sea to the east. Um, So it's actual, um, they they say topographically it's a verdant tapestry, and I guess it really is that because it's got those fertile deltas uh, which produce heaps of rice and gosh knows what, particularly in the south around the Mekong. And you've still got some quite primeval forests there as well, um, which are inhabited by exotic fauna and rivers and caves and rock formations and waterfalls and all of that. So you can think of it, I guess, as comprising three areas because it does have three weather patterns, really. Um, so you've got the north, the central and the, and the south. Um, now, the north is no, known more for its mountains and its peaks. And of course, the, um, the it was, we said before, the ethnic minority people who live up in those areas. Um, you've got the Red River Delta, of course, as well, and Halong Bay and, of course, Hanoi, which is famous, of course, for it being the, the capital. You've got central Vietnam, which is also home to a, a number of ethnic minority people, and you've got sort of high plateaus in areas there, but you come across to the coast and you've got beaches and all that sort of thing, of course, and then you've got Hoi An in that area as well. So it's, it's in the south of Vietnam, as we've mentioned, of course, you've got Saigon, which is the capital, or Ho Chi Minh City. So you've got three different weather patterns. So when you're doing the whole country, it's, it's a little bit hard to pack because you will find there are different uh, temperatures for each region. Um, but, you know, we can advise you on, on that, of course, um, when the time comes, if you're wanting to go to Vietnam, when it would be the best time to go. Um, so legend has it, though, that its origin lay in the harmonious union of Lak Long Quan, King of the Sea, and Ao Ko, a princess of the mountains. So uh, real life wasn't apparently so paradisical, and um, it sort of had this uh, history, of course, of continuous struggle for autonomy, which has, has happened throughout their years. And it first came with um, a millennium of Chinese domination, which was eventually uh, thrown off in the 9th century. And um, then external control was imposed once again in the 19th century, of course, when it was occupied by the French. And after the French, of course, um, which lasted till about World War II when the country was invaded by Japan, 
And then, of course, we had you know, the US coming in there and the ongoing war, as we all know. So, but the culture there is is great, and they've got a mix of religions, um, which include Confucianism, Taoism, Buddhism, some Christianity as well. Um, so they've got a blend, and also they've got what they call Tam Gao, which means triple religion, and they blend that. It's a, a blend of Taoism, popular Chinese beliefs, and ancient Vietnamese animism. So it's very, very interesting. They have a very important festival every year, which is called Tet, which is a week-long event in late January or early February that heralds the new lunar year and the advent of spring. And that becomes quite a raucous celebration with fireworks and drums and gongs and all that sort of thing. Um, the architecture is very interesting, of course, in Vietnam as well. And because they were, I guess, populated by these different regimes, they all had their influences in the architecture as well. So the architecture is quite fascinating in lots of those areas and there's still some quite ancient ruins and that you can visit as well so you know it's not all about war-torn country anymore I mean they're a very proud people and they forgive they're a very forgiving race of people you know they welcome any visitor whether they be US Australian or whatever they don't hold grudges um, they will let you know about their history and they know that they have suffered but all they want to do now is forget and move on and move forward so it's a wonderful place to visit and as we've said it is beautiful as far as the food is concerned to me that is one of its real pluses as well as the beautiful scenery of course but I mean it's just such a lovely place to visit and very inexpensive you know for us as Australians to go over there it's one of those countries where you know we can do it very very reasonably fabulous place to go it's 19 past one and Sally Lucas and I are talking travel and it is USA week, Sally. It is. It's just about the end of USA week, but I just thought I'd mention just a couple of interesting little things that came across my desk um, where you can meet some movers and shakers or A-listers in the States. And one place is a restaurant called The Ivy in Los Angeles and apparently Joan Rivers calls it French food without the attitude. <laughs> Isn't lovely. that lovely? Um, and some has called it just perfect. But if spotting celebrities um, noshing, that's what you can have on offer there. Apparently, you've got to book um, ahead. But you might see, you know, people like they said dine there regularly is Danny DeVito, Ben Affleck, Nicole Richie, and even Madonna has been known to frequent the outside tables there. So there Ooh. you go. If you want to spot someone, <laughs> and if you're into sport, the other area is the uh, Staples Center, Los Angeles, which is a huge basketball stadium. And if you want to catch a, you know, a big game there, which would be really exciting to see because they really support basketball in a big way over there. And apparently some of the regulars there, uh, you know, sort of around the quarter, Dustin. Hoffman, Jack Nicholson, Anthony, Andy Garcia, and so on. So there you go. You might be going, heading to America or LA, and you might be able to spot a star or two. <laughs> Keep the eyes open. Absolutely. Now, it is sort of French thinking time at the moment with the Tour de France, mm. and many of us are spending many hours in front of the box. And how about the Aussie? Oh, haven't they done well? And Orica Greenedge, the Australian team, yeah. doing really well. Yeah, fantastic. So this is a little thing that came out this recently uh, called Your Own Tour de France. So it has come from um, Rendezvous France, which is a, a French, obviously, uh, travel organisation. And they're suggesting that it's an ideal place to take a cycling holiday because you've got thousands of kilometres of official bike routes in France, all the way across France. And some are just short local routes or some are, you know, long for long distance travel that connect France to the rest of Europe. And um, you can look at a, a network called the Eurovelo 
network and you can get you know info off that as well um, and often they uh, the leisure cycling routes are generally split into two uh, categories what they call velo route which is for long distance routes um, which are usually signposted and have been designated safe for cycling and they have gradients um, no greater than three percent and they consist of a mix of um, what they call greenways and smaller back roads which are called a vol vert which green yeah so um all very interesting so apparently often these are two converted railway tracks or canal towpaths or all sorts of interesting areas you could cycle and just to give you an idea of some of the areas there's one called la velo vidi and it's a, a velo odyssey if you like it's a 1200 kilometer atlantic coast bike route wow wow and that stretches from uh, a place called roscoff on the coast of Brittany to the spanish border but it's broken up into 15 signposted sections and across four regions so you don't obviously have to do the whole lot you could just do a section um and some 80 percent of the route is on car free paths so that's that's good isn't it 80 percent is good yeah so you can get onto these websites and get lots more info of course than what i'm giving you at the moment but this is just to titillate i suppose and realize what you could do um you can also do paris to mont saint michel and that would be a lovely thing to do as well and it's called the velo scenic route which links paris to mont saint michel and of course you weave past the eiffel tower out to versailles before heading through to the coast of normandy um and it's another signposted route that stretches about two 260 k's and is divided also into sections um, and it's a relatively new one so some parts are more developed than others but you can as i said go on to, if you want to go on to the uh, rendezvous en france so rendezvous as you would spell it i think most people would know that e-n-f-r-a-n-c-e rendezvous en france.com um, you should be able to find lots more information there is another one from bordeaux bordeaux sorry bordeaux bordeaux to toulouse um, which follows the canal de garonne uh, from near bordeaux and then the canal du midi uh, from toulouse and so that would be another interesting one and there's one that does nance and the breast canal another one does the ardennes trans trans uh, transits across the Arden and the Loire Valley, you know, with all its beautiful chateaus and everything there. I mean, that would be a beautiful region to, you know, cycle around the Loire Valley and, of course, Burgundy and even Corsica. And a lot of people still think of Corsica as being more Italian than, than French, of course, but, but it is French, even though, you know, and then we've got to remember Napoleon was, was born there as well. But it's a very interesting yes. island and there's lots of um, good hiking across Corsica you can do as well, as well as bike riding. And, of course, the first three days of the Tour de France. Start there year. this year. Yeah, yeah first yeah. time it started on an island. Yeah. So that was unique. Imagine the logistics getting them all off there, though, on there and off there. It must have been a big thing, must I think it? they have planes for that, don't they? Oh, they have planes, yes, but it still would have been, you know, yes, time to yes. pack all the bikes up. and So, you know, to have it there would have cost a lot extra, I would imagine, than if they were just having it on mainland France. But however, Corsica got their opportunity. They felt they shouldn't leave Corsica out of the equation, so... And it was good that it was the 100th Tour de France. Yes, so they, yeah, uh, something yes, different as well. made something of it. Well, thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we'll talk travel again next Friday after the 1 o'clock news on 2NURFM.